Welcome to The Coffee Club, broadcasting live from New York with your host, Felix, and co-host, Dr. Mark. So let's have a cup of coffee and enjoy the show. There is no heaven. There is no hell. There is only this world and its dark reflection. And we do not know in which of the two worlds we are. We are in the geriatrics, Epper. That's right. And as as Jackie Gleason would say, oh, how sweet it is. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the retirement home. That's right. I am Dr. Mark. I am Felix, and this is the Coffee Club. And today's topic, retirement. Now, not just, you know, Felix happened to say to me, gee, you know, it's kind of one-sided. How many people listen to us who are actually retired? Well, you know, you don't have to be retired in order to talk about this. That's true, but I'm just more concerned about some people saying retirement. I'm not going to bother listening to it. Well, except for one thing. We all had visions of what retirement might be because of the crash of 08, because of people eating up their uh, IRAs, college accounts, their savings, just in order to keep their house if they were fortunate enough. Uh, how have they adjusted? You know, people are working longer now. You know, people, the the originally having visions of retirement at 62, 65, 66 might be long gone. Also, Social Security keeps uh, extending the age. Yeah, it used to be 62, now it's 66, with Medicare kicking in, I believe, what, two years later? No, Medicare 65. They still care? Okay. But even with Medicare, uh, you know, I know you like to blame the Affordable Care Act, but, you know, Medicare is uh, dropping, you know, raising their uh, deductibles on the retired uh, population. You know, you take it from people who really don't have it. I remember my dad, when he was retired, he worked for the post office. You know, for 20 20 years or so, he really did other things, you know, before. Worked hard his whole life. One in two jobs. And he said, look at this. Uh, Social Security is giving me a $5 raise for next year per month. But my drugs are costing me an extra 750 you know, yeah. now in the scheme of things, it's not a lot of money. But when you're talking about that being is. on that fixed income and only getting a certain amount, is it any wonder why some retired people share the can of dog food with their pet, with their favorite pet? You know, you open up a can of dog stew, heat it up, put some spices in it, and put it over rice, you'd never know the difference. You think? Well, I haven't tried it yet. I haven't been pushed that far, but I don't know. I, don't I just know. don't know. Dog food has a certain smell that just doesn't smell like human food. Why? Some of it is made out of a horse, and, you know, 
they, there was a big push at one time, remember, to horse burgers, you know. No, no, I don't mean that. Just the smell of cat food, dog food. Is... Well, I have to agree with you there because I got into a, 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 a talking about arguments with wives. A heated discussion with my wife the other day. She said I should find a different dog food. Now, mind you, we've been using the same dog food for years. All of a sudden, my wife has decided that it smells. Okay. Uh, I could have told her it smells. I mean, look, it doesn't smell appetizing, but it smells like dog food. The dog likes it. I have a dog that's living on borrowed time. I will give the dog whatever he wants. I'm not going to change his dog food and risk him not eating simply because my wife says it stinks, you know? Yeah, but you know, just, it does. You know, you just don't smell it. It smell, don't smell it. You know, I'm reminded, I'm reminded of uh, a Honeymooners episode that was just on during the marathon. When uh, Ralph finds dog food in his refrigerator, and he thinks it's an appetizer, and Norton thinks it's terrific because he started putting it on crackers, and then Ralph brings it into his boss because he figures he'd be able to make you know Ralph with his windfall, yeah, you know that this is his wife's own recipe, and that she could have it bottled or canned or something and make a lot of money. And then they discover that it's dog food, <laughs> you know. Um, Did the boss like it, though? Well, he, he thought it was tasty, but when he called in another guy to try it, and the funny thing was, uh, somebody else said, gee, I don't know, smell is familiar. I think it might be dog food. So, of course, Ralph says, what, are you crazy? Why would my wife have dog food? We don't even have a dog. So he calls in some guy who breeds dogs and raises dogs. And he says, that's exactly what it is. He said, I've been using it for the last 15 years. You know, so of course everybody is spitting it out. And Ralph goes home and what's this doing here? And one thing leads to another. But, uh, you know, he's always the fall guy. So what was it doing in the future? Alice was uh, watching her mother's dog. And he didn't know. Oh. Okay, so uh well. Hey listen, then there was, I mean I, I could go on and on. Then there was another one about a dog. Um Alice takes some other's dog to the vet and the vet says sends the report back. Now Ralph thought it was his report because he had gone for a physical the same time as the dog said he had arterial monochromia, a warm saucer of milk and a pill. And he only has six months to live. This is another one of his harebrained schemes. So, you know, I mean, uh, arterial monochromia, you get, according to the show, from scratching for fleas. (laughs) You know, what well, can I, I tell know. you? But it was funny. You know, hey, those shows, they don't make shows like that anymore. This they is really one of don't. the things that retired people do. They watch a lot of old TV. Hey, let me tell you, you know, the greatest thing is, you know, if if your head is 
in the 60s and 70s between TV Land and some of the other channels during the day. I mean, it used to be the only thing to watch during the day. The soap operas and talk shows, you know, or game shows for women. Now you have 24-hour cable, the news. Um, You could watch all these old shows that you grew up with. I mean, it's great. And Facebook, which, you know, I I go onto Facebook a couple of... Either I don't go on it or I go on it a couple of times a day. Between listening to the music, which are all oldies. You know, today I had a marathon of... uh, Johnny Maestro and the Crests, and then Johnny Maestro and the Brooklyn Bridge, I was in heaven. But, you know, they have these different groups, you know, born in the 50s, raised in the 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever, and in old music. Um, And people are very nice. You know, it's very nice to chat. You know, they say something, you comment, they comment back. You know, I mean, look, I'm not looking to make friends. These people live all over the country. Some of them even live in Europe. And uh, you know, it, 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 it kills some time. You know, plus with Google, you know, you go onto Google, you can find anything you want. If you have a pain, you go to WebMD. You know, I mean, uh, so there are a lot of things to do, especially in the wintertime, when it's difficult to get out because, like, today in New York, it was bitter cold. But it's winter, so what do you expect? You go out, you do whatever chores you have to do, you come back, you have some hot coffee, and you watch something that you DVR'd on the television or some old show, or you go on the computer. You know, but speaking to our topic, which, by the way, is retirement, Uh, And our phone number, which we have neglected to give you in the first 10 minutes here, is uh, 646-595-3275. And you can join us on our chat room if it's working, I think. As soon as it opens up. Well, no, I opened up the other chat room. Felix keeps using the wrong key to open the door, I think, you know, and well, this one doesn't seem to want to open. But in any event, folks, um, you know, like I said, we all had preconceived notions about what retirement would be like. I know that when I started teaching, retirement was so far in the distant future, I never gave it a thought. I would just, as most people do, go in every year, every day, do your job. You know, the fact that we would talk. I was talking on the phone to very dear friend. You have uh, friends? Well, acquaintances, you know. Except for you, you're my only friend, Felix. You know oh, that, you're don't in trouble. you? I know. But she was talking about her kids. You know, two of her daughters just graduated college within a year of each other. The younger one graduated in June. And, uh, you know, there are some problems. The kids... You know, uh, her son is, is about five years older than the, the his sisters are. But, you know, the girls thought it would be different, okay? They thought that work would be different. And I said to her, look, you know, when you come from a college environment, 
you spend four years in college, you, you're pretty much insulated. You know, that's not the real world. You come out here and you have a job, and you find out very quickly that uh, things aren't what you thought they would be. Either the job is not, you know, let's face it, how many people take a job simply for the experience, really, especially now because jobs are so hard to come by? You know, you go to college, you major in something, you hope that you're going to find a job, and then you come out and you find yourself doing something entirely different. I know, speaking, you know, for my wife's family, she had an older brother who graduated from Parsons School of Design as an interior designer, and... He was an account rep for Swiss Air for the longest time at American Airlines, selling group packages, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, Her stepsister, who was about a year younger than her, majored in social work, got a master's in social work. She's doing social work. But then she has another stepsister who's the same age, who majored in French, of all things, decided that she didn't want to be a teacher. She tried it, not even in a public school, in a private school. Didn't like it. Bounced around from job to job. Subsidized by mommy. Okay. Uh, Wound up getting a degree in nursing when she was well into her 40s. And now she's a nurse, and she's very happy. She has another stepsister who majored in music, in flute. Okay, the flute at Ithaca. And she was working out of a bank, but she lost her job. Um, Let me ask you, how many stepsisters does this girl have? My wife? My wife has three stepsisters. Oh. It's like, you know, the Wicked Witch, you know, three sisters, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Is this this Ellen? Yeah. Oh, okay. And her sister went to the University of Miami, dropped out of the University of Miami with one course left to graduate, mind you, because she thought she was going to get married to some guy, and that never came to be. So she wound up going back to school and getting a degree in education. She taught for three years, didn't like it. She went back to college, got a degree in nursing from Malloy, didn't bother to do that either. So uh, you can see, and that's just from my wife's family. You know, I majored, I started out in pre-med, but at least I majored in education, and I was a teacher for 32, 34 years, you know. Um a lot of people come out with degrees that they never really use. You know why? Well, I, I think I didn't use my degree. Was your degree in transportation? No. Business. Business, yeah. Well. That's why I said I may have, it's possible that I may have used it. I just don't know I did. You know, my brother-in-law, you know, went to Syracuse, got a great education at Syracuse, majored in business, got a master's in transportation, and he went into his father's uh, jewelry business, wholesale jewelry. Um, 
And then I know somebody who I met on my honeymoon who got a master's in fine arts and he went into his father's auto body shop because he was always handy with his hands and always doing something with cars, okay? And he never used his degree. So there are so many people out there who are certainly not using their degrees, you know, and that stems from, I believe, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, when we went to college, with the exception of accounting, free law, free med, teaching or nursing, you know, if you majored in time and space, you were a business major. And it was like, you know, what the hell are you going to do with that? You yeah. really don't know. Um, but it was a time when people majored in things like anthropology. I remember those days. You know, I mean, it was interesting. It was great. Uh, they majored in um, uh, art history. But when you got out of college, the reality set in that you can't find a job. That was with sociology also. and uh, Almost all the liberal art degrees, most people, unless they were going to be a teacher, there's no career for them. It's true. You know, you take free law, political science, you know where you're, where you're going. A lot of history majors wound up going to law school, okay? Um, science majors. Some of them went into research, some of them went into industry, but the bulk of them became either pre-med or uh, science teachers and engineers and accountants, you know, um, computers were big. So there was an influx of people uh, majoring in uh, systems analysis and computer engineering, okay, and there were many jobs then. But ask yourself, 30-plus years later, you're in your 40s now or pushing 50, and the bottom falls out in 08, and let's say you were in sales and you were a broker, well, you lost your job, you know. Um, how many people in industry, when the businesses cut back their jobs, and here they are, in their 50s, late 40s, early to mid 50s, and they say to themselves, what am I going to do? And you're talking about people who have a family who may have children in college. What am I going to do? Can I pay my mortgage? Because in most cases, the house had already been... Uh, refinanced two or three times over, okay, to get a lower interest rate or to draw out money, all right, from the equity, which, of course, event paid back anyway. So what do you do? What do you do? You know, these are the things that are facing people now, and that's why, you know, people say, who knows what retirement is? Um, people are working into their 70s. People are taking part-time jobs, two and three part-time jobs, just to make ends meet. ends meet. That's not even putting anything in the bank, barely scraping up enough to put food on the table, paying their bills. And a lot of these people don't have medical. So they go out and they 
either have subsidized Obamacare uh, or they wait for clinics to come around and open up. You know, is it is it any wonder that when MSNBC runs their clinics in middle America, you know, when they're in Ohio or they're in Minnesota or the Dakotas or Montana, that there are people lining up before the sun even comes up because these are not people that don't have jobs. These are people, these are the working poor. These are the people whose employers can't afford to cover them with insurance. Now, granted, this was all before the affordable health care, but, you know, for a lot of companies, you know, you talk about a lot of mom and pop companies where they have less than 50 employees, You know, if you have 50 or more, you have to cover them. But the bottom line is these companies can't cover their their employees. What are you going to do? And also a lot of companies don't give it to them because they don't have to. If they're 50 and underemployed, they just don't bother. Yes, sometimes it's worth it for them to pay the penalty. You know, that there is... First thing, there's never a penalty from last year which nobody's going to collect anyway. And uh, before that, there were no penalties. you 50 or under, and I don't know if that was always the law. Well, you got 40 employees. You have a good business. Why should you give up a, you know, a lot of that profits for your employees? Well, people, that's that's the thing. You know, you people don't care. It's your company. You're making a good salary. I'm not giving up part of my salary. Take, my and salary. that's how many employers tend to think. Yeah. And then there's another aspect of retirement that I'm, I know most young people don't even bother to think of as you get older, but you see more and more commercials on TV for Cialis, Viagra, okay? And for women, there are uh, drugs to help produce estrogen. You know, when you're when you're 21, 22, 23, 27, 30, and you and your wife or you and your girlfriend are doing it three and four and five times a week, you know, pretty soon nature sets in, reality sets in, and dare I mention, children set in. Okay, the biggest complaint, of course, is you know, from the person who's home with the children and not going out to work, that they just don't have the strength. All they want to do is rest. And I will say one thing. I will say that our generation of husband and father tend to do more now than our fathers did. I mean, my father did what he could but I don't remember him diapering babies, although he loved to diaper grandchildren. You know, it was a different story with grandchildren. You know, really? uh, I always diapered my daughters and my sons. It never bothered me. My wife was working, so we used to, you know, work together as far as the house is concerned. Um you know, it's no longer, this is your job, this is my job. It's like our job. If you can't do this, so I'll do it, you know. 
Uh, there are a lot of things to retirement that younger people don't really think of. They just think about a time when that alarm rings in the morning and they can just shut it off and close their eyes and go back to sleep. But I have to tell you, I used to go to sleep after Twilight Zone religiously at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, wake up at 5.30, wash around or take a shower, shave before I had my beard, put on my suit, get out of the house by 6.20, 6.30, okay, drive to work, and I felt fine. I would fall asleep right away. Now, okay, at age 66, and it's been happening for quite a while, not just now, I pace myself to go to sleep at 2 o'clock, 2.30. I toss and turn for two or three hours. If I'm lucky, I fall asleep at 4 or 5. And then I wake up at like 10.30, 11. By then, if I had any morning appointments, it's all shot. You know, I have to... I have to make appointments now for doctors in the afternoon because I don't know if I'd make it in the morning. Well, you know. Dr. Mark, I'm going to tell everybody this. How many cups of coffee do you drink a day? Oh, 10, easily. Is that all? Well, it's 10 cups, and I'm showing you the cup. This is more than six ounces. They yes. consider a cup six ounces. Yep. The cups that I usually use are at least 12 ounces or more. So you're talking about five to six cups like that, which is usually twice the amount. So that's why I say, I mean, I remember one time many, many, many years ago, putting up a pot of coffee. We were having company. This is before we even moved out to Long Island. And it so happens that the couple drank tea. I brewed 12 cups of coffee. I drank it myself. But it would have no effect on me when I was younger. You see? Now, and I don't know if it has an effect. I know where you're going with this. And my doctor used to say the same thing. Drink decaf. Well, the bottom line is, for somebody who loves coffee, you can tell the difference. That's number one. Number two, I really don't think that's the problem. Okay, I honestly... Because I have I have gone a day or two not perking coffee, and I'm not jittery, okay? I'm not shaking the way people say they are, and I would still have trouble falling asleep. So, you see, I don't think it's that at all. Well, I would give it a little more. I would experiment and not have any caffeine after 4 or 5 o'clock. You know something? I honestly don't think I could do that. Because otherwise I'd be drinking sugar-free lemonade or something to that effect or sugar-free soda. I don't like water per se. Believe it or not, water tends to repeat on me, okay? Um, I mean, I know people that drink a lot of water and and kudos to them, you know. You drink decaf here a lot of times. Yeah. And it's fine here. Yeah, well, I've come to the stage in my life where, you know, regular coffee, decaf, I really don't care. You so know. stop drinking caffeine at 4 o'clock and go to decaf. Get a good, strong decaf. Nice, bitter, 
with a good aftertaste. I don't want it with an after. If I wanted an aftertaste, I'd go to Starbucks. I find I find Starbucks coffee, much to the surprise of some people who love coffee, to be too strong and too bitter. And I remember, I think you and I discussed this once before on a much earlier show. Uh, some marketing research company did a test of coffees, various blends of coffee, different places to get coffee, Dunkin' Donuts, uh, Starbucks, uh, big-name places in Manhattan or California. And you know what was the best coffee that they came out with? McDonald's. That's right. McDonald's black coffee. Just regular old McDonald's. The best coffee around. And you can still buy that off the dollar menu, no matter what size. Well, I don't love uh, Dunkin', uh, Dunkin' Donuts. This was done by, uh, actually what you're referring to probably is a Italian roasters came in. Well, they were doing, you know, the marketing research company was doing it for a certain company. I just yeah. don't remember, you know, which company they were doing it for. Yeah, some Italian roasters came in also, and they were going around drinking coffee. And they liked the Starbucks, but not, the, but just the uh, the blonde, the, uh, the... The in-between? Yeah, the in-between, whatever. They, they hated the... Dunkin' Donuts, they said it tasted like sand. <laughs> uh, they like McDonald's. And I don't remember what other ones they like. But well, uh, I'll tell you, if I go to Starbucks with a friend, I usually get, you know, the medium, the medium roast. I don't get the weak, and I don't get the very strong. I get, as you said, the blonde, if that's what you call it. And that's fine. And the thing I like about Starbucks is that for 75 cents on where you are, they charge a different amount. It used to be 50 cents, but for 75 cents, you know, bring your slip up and you can get a refill for 75 cents of your cup. Now, 7-Eleven... Uh, no, I think their coffees are good. Oh, I always did thought 7-Eleven coffee was good. I used to drink their flavored coffee. But I've gotten away from that. But at 7-Eleven, if you brought in a thermos, I don't know how it is now, but back when I was working, if you brought in a thermos in the morning and filled it up, it was one price for the whole thermos. And in a thermos, you can get, you know, like four, three to four 12-ounce cups of coffee, you know. And if you brought the thermos back again, as long as you had to slip, the refills were for free. Same thing with the cup. If you kept the 7-Eleven cup and came back in the afternoon after morning coffee. But again, this goes back at least 12 years because I haven't worked in that long. I don't know what it is now. Okay. I usually brew my coffee at home. So I rarely get it out. Well, you get a Dunkin' Donuts sometimes, don't but you? But I will get coffee at Dunkin' Donuts, yeah. That's because you can sit down and talk to your friends or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. You know, if I'm on the run, and, and if I'm on the run, uh, usually I have travel mugs, and I'll brew a full pot of coffee, and I'll fill up a travel mug, 
you know, and I'll take it with me, and I'll drink it as I drive. So as you can tell, Mark is definitely a a coffee holic. If I had only known this when I ha- did, I ever have money. If I had only known this when it came time to investing, okay. It, it's like the commercial on TV where, you know, they show you Poland Springs. They show you two hikers and they're at a Poland Spring and they fill up a glass and they say, gee, you know, if we could bottle this, we could be rich. And then the other guy says, who's going to pay for water? Water is free anyway. But the funny thing is, when my daughters went to college, okay, which is, almost a half a generation before my sons. You know, their generation, Generation Y, you know, um, or Generation X, I'm not sure anymore. Um, they They were the first ones to drink bottled water. I mean, you know, I grew up, tap water was always good for me. You know, even as an adult, I didn't love water, but tap water was fine. My kids were weaned on bottled water, any kind of bottled water. They went away to college. We bought cases of water for them. And not just them. I mean, their roommates, it was the same thing. You know, they just didn't know what it was like to drink ordinary water. Yeah, well. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we are really going back to the roots of the show. The coffee club. And what are we doing talking about coffee? We're called, yeah, exactly. And what else are two, uh, well, one retired and one probably never to be retired guy have to talk about, you know, we're that and uh, Mark sending me pictures telling me there's no point. The boobs. You like that one. And you have to see the picture to understand it. Uh, I'll tell you it anyways. No point to to the boobs of no nipples. Well, there was was a picture of a very provocative young woman with a wet t-shirt and, of course, no bra. And uh, it had to do with, you know... Her nipples, obviously. Yeah. I don't even remember it anymore after that, you know? Well, it's what exactly what is said. What's the point of having having boobs if there are no nipples? What's okay. the point? And that, right, exactly. That's what it said. Right. No, I guess I'm getting to be an old part, too, because I remember this. You see, and that's another thing, uh, young people out there. You know, the bottom line is, uh, I remember, you know, my parents would have friends over, or they would go to somebody's house, but when they had friends over on a Saturday night, Saturday nights in Jewish households, when friends came over, was always dairy. Bagels and locks and uh, all the different cheeses and uh, uh, herring and pickled herring. You know, every every culture has their own thing. And they would talk about work. They would talk about what ails them. You know, 
And I find when I get together with friends, which I am doing tomorrow because it happens to be lunch and a movie, uh, these are two friends. Our one other friend is down in Florida now, the gentleman recouping from uh, leukemia. But whenever we would get together, we would always talk about what it was like when we were teenagers. Because believe it or not, folks, these guys were my friends when I was 11 and 12, and I first moved to the Rockaways, for those of you from New York. So right now I'm 66. I know these guys 55 years, okay? We hung out in the same group. We went to college at the same time. Uh, some of us were teachers. One was an engineer. Uh, one was uh, more or less the hippie of the group. And he did just about anything and everything. Uh, but like uh, the old Dobie Gillis and Maynard G. Krebs, when it came to work, it was a four-letter word. Okay. Um, and we get together and we talk about various things and, and we talk we talk about what ails us. You know, it's like a group of people getting together in Florida. And they talk about they can't see... They have pains in their back. They don't walk so fast. They can't stay up late at night because they find out that they fall asleep. So they go to early bird specials. And in Florida, that usually starts at 3 o'clock in the afternoon because restaurants close by 7, you know, which is like totally unheard of in New York, of course. And then they say, but at least I still have my license and I can drive. Yeah. You know, my friend Dan in Florida said... The old folks who drive are terrible. They are oblivious to the light. Okay. The light could change and they're still going. So you have to worry about that. Well, reaction time is slow. The reaction time is slow. Okay. Uh, most of the smarter drivers in Florida, elderly drivers, have given up driving at night. They rely on somebody who is, you know... I mean, I used to tell my uncle, who was, happens to be a very young 84, I believe, you know, that he'd be a catch for anybody because he drives at night. Yeah. You know, in uh, Spain, and I don't know how many other countries in Europe do it, once you get to be 65 or 70, I'm not sure what the age is, the DMV makes you uh, retake your road test. Well, you know... As a 66-year-old, I say, I think it's a great idea. But if I was 70 or 75, I might be a bit apprehensive because suppose you have a bad day and they take your license away. When you take somebody's license away, it's like taking their legs away. Well, you, you know? know, if they're not capable of driving, what would you like them to do? Hit somebody? Kill somebody? Well, usually that's the alternative. And I agree. I agree. And I'm sure if you feel have a better day, you can go back and retest it. If you pass, you're good. I mean, it doesn't say just like when you, you know, well, you failed once, you can never drive again. Go take another test. Odds are you're not going to get any better. The other thing that we do when we're old is listen to stupid music, or you guys would pick a stupid music that we used to enjoy. No, you know what makes, you, what makes me laugh, and I told you that. Yeah. 
topic is, is if you are retired, is retirement everything you thought it would be? Uh, if you would like to retire but you can't, how about giving us a call? And the number is 646-595-3275. The only mistake we made, uh, 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 Dr. Mark, was we forgot 9 o'clock at night, most seniors are asleep already. Well, certainly down in Florida they are. Uh, yeah, well, that is. 
Anyway, but we don't have any listeners down in Florida. Here's another little song that, that uh, I remember from a child. Cartoon, I think they're still around. Those been around for many years. Anybody remember Felix the Cat? I think he's still around sometimes. Uh, right, Monster Mash. I want to play something else right now. Hey, where is that? There we go. This is a. Uh, Edition of the Godless America, sung by an old timer, Tex Ritter. America again Like he did way back there When it all began He blessed her then But we sort of took it for granted And didn't ask again So let's just kind of hold her hand now That's all In case she stumbles Let's don't let her fall God bless Everything I read and hear About what's wrong with America When you don't have a lot of book learning There's many things you don't understand But I know this much She's like a mother to me I love her with all my heart 
And let me tell you this, mister Everything I am or ever hope to be I owe to her God bless America All right, that's Tex Ritter, and we're talking you know, today about uh, retirement, people who are ready for the retirement, people who are looking forward to retirement, people who will never be able to retire. Well, you know, I have to tell you, when I was a teacher, I used to, well, we used to do a poem called The Bean Eaters, and I know I said this before, not on tonight's show, but Last year, over the course of doing the show with you, Felix, about an elderly couple who are retired, whose children are grown and have moved away, and the poem alludes to the fact that when they were younger and the children relied heavily upon them, they felt needed, they felt useful. They felt like their life had meaning and purpose. But now, you know, I mean, look, it's called the bean eaters. The people are eating off of tin plates. No, they're not in prison, but they're eating off of tin plates. Very simple food, beans. They're eating beans. You know, how much more simpler can you get than franks and beans? Or pork and beans with those one or two pieces of pork and the rest is just beans. Uh, this is, you know, this is what they ate. Um, no one comes to visit anymore. Well, probably smells like hell in the house of eating all those beans. Well, I mean, you know, I, I know that we're trying to make light of a serious issue. You're trying to make light of a serious issue, but, you know, as a senior citizen, even if your children live locally, you know, you don't get to see your children that much. They have lives of their own. You don't get to see the grandchildren that much. And in most cases, you really don't control when you can see them. You may call up and say, hey, what's going on? And they're too busy for you. Well, there's got to be a fine balance. You know, my wife sees her parents quite often. because You're, not- you're talking about... Thank God, you know, as much of a burden as it is, especially since your wife is ill, you're talking about our generation. I remember when my grandfather was alive. My father was over there all the time, every Sunday in the nursing home. He would bring him chopped liver. He would bring him chicken soup. He would feed him. He would spend an afternoon or a day with him because he worked during during the week. You know, um, I'm talking about kids the age of your son and daughter or my children's age 
I look at them and I say, you know, it's never going to happen. I remember when my son was going to Johnson and Wales to be a chef, and I would say to him, when I get to be Papa's age, because that's what we used to call my father, I said, well, are you going to have? Hmm? No, your Papa. I said that's right. That what I said that at my father's funeral, you know. But I said when I get to be Papa's age. You're going to have room for me in your house? And he put his arm around me and he said, Dad, he said, I'll bring you dinner every night from my restaurant. That was when he was going to be a chef. Now he's a cop. So So he brings you a bullet every night. I don't want bullets, you know, but the bottom line is that's what he said. And when I look at my other children, you know, one is in Ohio. The one upstate we don't talk to. She doesn't talk to us. And my other son lives with you. Well, he lives with us, but the bottom line is, eventually he wants to make it out to the coast, and I don't know when I'll get to see him. You well, know. No, and seeing the way he is, I don't see him going to the coast for a long time. Well, you may be right about that. He's but got to get out of the house first. But that's his ultimate goal, okay? Well, that's good. No, I mean, I'm just joking, you know. That's That's his ultimate goal. But the bottom line is, you know... And for that reason alone, my friend down in Florida took out a policy for he and his wife uh, for elder care so that when they get to be old, uh, they can have a choice between going into an assisted living facility or having the people come to them in their home so they could stay in familiar surroundings at home, you know. But he can afford that. Not everybody can afford that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, and, uh, and then again, you know, some people have children that they could rely on. You know, children that may have an extra bedroom. You know. My uh, wife's in-laws, her uh, husband's brother, took in her, uh, his father when his wife passed away. And he gave her, you know, and he has an apartment with her, which is really nice. You know, it's like the old days. He took him in, gave him a built an apartment for him, and he's there. My friend, my wife's friend Janet, is having an apartment built on top of her house. Her daughter's kids. house. You know, her daughter's house, yeah. So she she has a place. Well, actually, she's going to live at the bottom floor, but it doesn't matter. But they're building an extra section to the house, so. The mother could live with the kids and the grandkids. So it's still happening. It's just not our kids. You know. Well, but you see, there are ulterior motives now with our children's generation. And that is for young couples to afford the American dream. And that, of course, is a house with a white picket fence. Okay, you need husband and wife both to be working at full-time jobs. And if husband and wife are going to be working at full-time jobs and they live within a 30-minute drive from their parents, the grandparents in many cases become the caretakers and babysitters for their grandchildren. You just walk into any fast food restaurant between 12 and 2, 
and you see grandparents pushing carriages, you know, strollers, okay, um, busying the children, or if you go into a library, you see grandparents with strollers taking their, ch their grandchildren to the library for book reading, if they're, you know, if they're old enough, whatever it is, okay, so our generation now becomes the babysitters for our our grandchildren, our children's children, just so our children can be able to afford a house. You know, my uh, my wife and I always worked all the years, and uh, my uh, and my mother babysat mostly my kids. Well, it's just uh, well, when you lived in Queens, yeah. you didn't live too far. I live. Well, I live in Queens. I live right the same. You know, it was a three-family house, like you know, the old days. You know, you live in one. You have somebody. You're, uh, and I remember kids live in another, and then uh, you have one apartment that's brings a little income. I remember uh, in East New York, where uh, my father's parents lived. You know, they always rent, but they were on the second floor. It was, you know, a three or a four-story walk-up. My grandparents were on the second floor, and my aunt and uncle were on the third floor with their two sons. And my aunt worked, you know, uh, my my grandparents had a candy store, so they were always in the candy store. And I guess if they looked after my two cousins, they were in the candy store as well. You know, when they came home from school or whatever. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, our phone number is 646-595-3275. Uh, if you want to give us a call, talk about your retirement plans or... What you envision lack retirement... Of, what, what lack you, what, of. Yeah, what you would like retirement to be for you. Or if you're a lonely person in our... Uh, Chat room, want to tell us what your ideas of uh, retirement are? Let us know. We can't, you know, we'll answer anything you want to know. Or we'll read what you have to say, but you have to write something in the chat room. show like today, chat room is not really busting with the uh, well, that's okay. I'd rather have it this way than the way it was on Friday, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Friday we had a whole bunch of hecklers yes. coming on the show. We had uh, Elisa on the phone with us, and uh, we were attempting to have a very nice discussion. Elisa is one of our regulars who calls us up, and uh, there were about four or five guys. Nine people. Were there nine? Mm-hmm. I thought there were maybe four or five who were doing most of the talking. Well, they, not everybody got in, and I didn't bother answering all the calls because, you know, we, we caught up pretty fast what they were doing. You know, well, look, when when somebody gets on the phone and starts denigrating a caller and calling that caller names without even knowing who the person is, okay, we know, I mean, it's it's... This is the uh, present-day version of a phony phone call. 
you know, it's become uh, well, uh, in cyberspace, you know. Well, the phony phone calls, from what I remember, were not nasty. They were funny. No, they were funny. These people were if not... you knew a group of girls were having a pajama party and you would call up, you know, you would disguise your voice. And the girls did it, too. Yeah. But this was not, this was not, uh, they weren't funny. They were more, they were derogatory and. We got one to call and call us later on and told us that they were doing this uh, on purpose to try to uh, sabotage the show. And not just our show, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, they they said that they were doing it yeah. for a bunch of, of shows, you know, on, on uh, the computer. You know, not that we took it personally. No, I mean, I just uh, said, okay, guys, I just hung up on them one by one. Yeah. What am I going to do? And uh, one of them called back and started acting like a nice guy and apologized, and all of a sudden he became very derogatory anyway. Well, he became stupid by saying he has no friends, and yeah, he made up some name. But anyway, it's, uh, it's a shame people have to do it. If you're going to do, if you're going to do a funny phone call, make it fun. Everybody can laugh. They weren't funny. And that's the purpose of a world of well, that's, that's because people don't know how to laugh at themselves. They much rather laugh at other people or other people's misfortune. Yeah, I'll tell you, anybody who wants to laugh, laugh with us. We'll be glad, we'll be glad to, to take, the, take a brunt of a joke. I have no problem with that, but, you know, don't be nasty. Neither do I, and that's what I used to tell my students. You know, you have to be nasty. Anyway, uh, I'm going to go play one more song, and hopefully uh, somebody will call call in. If somebody calls in, I'll interrupt the song and take your call. We played a couple of older songs. Now we're going to play something... uh, I don't know how to describe it. Well, definitely uh, not as not as dated as the songs we played before. Stalling because I'm trying to find it. You know, with us, people you know, have to understand that Felix has hundreds of songs and sound effects on his computer. Yeah, and he's not very well organized here. Well, we, we sort of don't have a way of. Just pulling out a song. It's hard to categorize, yes. And when you do categorize, you forgot where you put them anyway. It doesn't help any. We do have them all as categorized. There's one song I don't think we ever did categorize. That's the one I'm thinking of? Well, possibly. I don't know what you're thinking of. This is very Your strange. old theme song. No. Oh. But I'd like to find that one too. I can't find it either. I would play that also at this point. You know, so uh, we're stalling. You know, Felix, while you're looking, let me just uh-huh. say this. Yep. I would like to tell people out there that there are people who are retired 
who haven't really suffered at all. Yeah. I have two cousins. Oh, you're not suffering either. No, oh no. I have two cousins. One was retired as a principal. His wife was a teacher who goes on two major trips every year. He's been virtually around the world, okay? He is seven years my senior. I have another cousin who worked for the government, Department of Navy, civilian employee, retired with the rank of an admiral. And he's traveled around. In fact, I used to ask him, Exactly what kind of consulting did you do? And he literally told me that it was the kind of consulting where if he told me, he would have to kill me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love when they say that. Well, you know, when when you work for the Department of Navy or the Department of the Army and things like that, and you're working out scenarios, I mean, they used to do war games, Yeah. okay? And they would figure out, not that, <laughs> it, you know, Percentage of casualties that the government considered acceptable, casualties being soldiers and civilians, okay? I mean, that's the kind of things that he would figure out. Yeah. Eh, No secret. We all know that they're doing it. All right. Talking about uh, the Army. Ah.
and listen to what the audience has to say. Again, we're a blog, so most of our, you know, it's a pod, so most of our audience does not listen to us live, unfortunately. Right, they listen to us at their leisure, which is okay. I mean, at least it gets registered. Yeah, we do have a lot, but you know, it's, it's nice to get a, once in a while, it's nice to get a live phone call. You know, they say only uh, one out of a thousand lists, uh, live listeners actually call. And I don't think we get a thousand live listeners most of the time, so. But, you know, we, we get our share of uh, whatever we want. We're happy. You know, this is, uh, this is Mark's way of volunteering his time to the community. That's right. This is uh, my community action, sir, my community service. That's the other thing I want to talk tonight about, and I never brought it up, volunteering. That's you know, I've doing. had somebody mention that to my friend in Florida, actually. This is a different friend. This is the dancing friend. Uh-huh. Okay. This is the friend who he and his wife go dancing every... Only when we have a show. Every Monday and Friday, yes, when well, we have we a have show. we have it on Tuesday, he also goes dancing on Tuesday. No, but he usually finds a reason for not calling up. Uh, he actually is a big brother to uh, two young men, uh, one who is uh, a senior now, and another one who lives in a group home who is a few years younger. And he usually takes them out for lunch or they catch a movie and... He's the adult male figure in their lives because they That's just nice. don't have one. That's nice. You know, and, and he is that kind of a guy. He really is, you know. Uh, you know, we used to do a, I guess we have to call it more of a religious show when we did the uh, Truck into Heaven. Even though we didn't take it as seriously as possibly the people who are well, and the funny thing is that every Friday we try to do something with a religious theme to it. Now, you know, um, either it deals with ethics or morality or, uh, you know, good and bad. Uh, and and we do discuss the various religions. It's definitely not a... Uh, We're a non-sectarian. We don't, uh, you know, we don't have favorites. We readily admit that with the exception of Catholicism, and by that I mean Protestant and and uh, you know, Catholic Judaism, uh, with uh, a smidgen of uh, Islam thrown in there, we really don't know much about the, the others, but, is what I'm know, saying. But we'll talk about it. We've had callers from India where Hindus call us up. and uh, The hardest part about that was trying understand, to understand yeah. them. Yeah, and he kept telling us, what's your phone number? We don't give returns. He said, no, no, wrong show. Anyway, that's a, that's what I want to say. And uh, I, I think hope... that was when we got China that time, and we thought we wanted him to deliver. Then yeah, he doesn't right. go that far, you know? <laughs> yeah, we get listeners from all over the world, uh, Philippines, Brazil, a lot of strange places. Not strange places. I, I yeah, I'll sorry. show you how the show runs, Felix. You know, uh, New Year's Eve, generally, uh, the wife and I get together with a friend and her husband. She, unfortunately, is wheelchair-bound. She has MS. 
And, uh, you know, what can I say? You just say MS and you already know. And uh, usually we get a couple of lobsters, you know, four lobsters, and we cook them up and steam them up, and that's what we have. And this year I wanted something different, so I, you know, told them I was going to have Chinese food. Is he called China in the orders of Chinese yeah, Well, but the, the thing is, they looked at me rather strange, and I said, you forget that according to Moses, the 11th commandment tells Jewish people that thou shalt shall eat Chinese, Chinese food. food as much as possible. Well, you know, Google you know, did a study, and they said on Christmas Day, the, the Jewish community orders the most Chinese food of anybody. And more than once, I've actually seen this, uh, an ad, a full-page ad in a local newspaper where a Chinese restaurant will say uh, something to the effect of, uh, on Christmas Day, we thank our, we, we, not, not in so many words, we thank our lucky stars for our Jewish patronage because, thank you. Wait, we just thank you know, our Jewish customers for being... but the reason that I really brought this up is to show that this is the kind of religion that we banter around on Friday. We but can anyway, get serious, but it's usually not. But the reason why there are so many people ordering Chinese, so many Jews ordering Chinese food, is because that's basically the only restaurant they will deliver on uh, Christmas. And if you know, if you're Jewish, you're a Jewish family that doesn't celebrate Christmas, which a lot of families do, then. Uh, Oh, what's the matter? It's the Sabbath. They can't go out and drive. I always go pick up my food. Nah, delivery. You're lazy. But anyway, I was going back to the old show. And uh, with the truck to heaven. And I remember when I was leaving the show, the, uh, the uh, bishop was very upset. He says, you're abandoning your flock. And the flock were my listeners. Yes, and but... I don't think there were any religious people listening to me in that show at all. Well, I don't think there were any listening to him either, but... You no, know. He, has, he has quite a few listeners. But no, the thing is, we really... As the as show struck the heaven, we didn't do almost... We did almost no religion at all. That's true. But you see, now that he's behind bars, he has a whole new flock to uh, preach to. Yeah. Yeah, and they have no place to go. Yeah, that's right. He's got a captive audience, literally you know, a yeah, captive audience. Exactly. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for tolerating us. I hope you enjoy the show. We will be back on Friday as the rebellious rev in the dock, and the show will be. I forgot. I entered it today, and I don't remember. The show will be, I forgot, I'm too old to remember. That's right. That's another thing that happens with retirement. You forget a lot. You yeah. know, I, I I, put things away, and I forget where I put them. So, once again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for listening. Have a good night. And we hope you get some sleep, because I know, speaking for myself, I probably won't. Well, stop drinking all that coffee. All right, Felix. All right, you know I'm not going to stop saying No, that. I know. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening again.